A lot of people that are already in the trades business, they have what I call a job. And that's all they have is a job because there's no path for them to grow within the company. A lot of times when you have a job, you just kind of do the same thing over and over. And at some point, you get tired of that routine and you look and now it becomes about money. And then you go somewhere else and now you're just moving because a 50 cents here or a dollar there. You really never build a career and never find a home. What I'm looking for when I'm talking to someone in the trades business, I'm looking for them to, to find a home. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. I'm your host, Nate, hanging out here with my co-host, Brian, as well. And we are excited to have a new episode this week. We are focusing on big picture stuff, this time bringing in the CEO of our brands, Mark Dawson. And we're going to be talking about the future of the trades, something that is near and dear to our hearts, as well as, I believe, all of our listeners. So before we jump into that, we're going to talk a little bit about our, uh, our subject at hand here. And we're going to start with a quote with Brian. The kid who apprenticed to be a plumber or an electrician is looked at as something less, even if it has no debt, even if he makes six figures a year. Mike Rowe. Yeah, good old Mike Rowe, man. I know he's uh, an ambassador for the trades, and we appreciate him. And I know that quote just kind of makes me grind my teeth as you think about the whole concept of what what is being pushed and what is out there as far as opportunities go and, and, you know, all the debt that can be accumulated and all the income that can be accumulated on the other side of that. It's just like, uh, how is this not what people are thinking today? And Mike just has a way of putting that into words and like making it apparent. So we wanted to focus on big picture stuff today, talking about the future of the trades, HVAC, electrical, and plumbing. And we thought it'd be great to have Mark Dawson join us. So he'll be on in a little bit first, but we want to talk about uh, the subject at hand here, which is what is the future of the trades? So one of the things that we've really been noticing, and I'm sure all of you out there listening as well, is that there's just been a significant lack of employees or um, potentials to pull from. You know, every single week we're trying to find new people to join an organization. And really, when it comes down to it, our growth is limited by our, our people. And it's just been a, a real challenge. And that's nothing new in the industry to be saying, like, where do we find these people? Where are they coming from? And unfortunately, it just feels so many ways or so many times that to get good people or to get new people, we have to steal them from somewhere else. And like, that's just a really rough way of looking at things. And, uh, you know, it's just like trading puzzle pieces. So we're big proponents of getting the next generation into the trades, whether it's through trade school or apprenticeships or, you know, any type of mentoring, those types of things. And we would sure love to see more of that because, man, do we believe the opportunity is there and knocking. Not only is that opportunity knocking, it is getting larger and larger as the skilled trades gap increases and increases. And what's, what's that gap? That gap is, well, according to USA Today, by 2028, there will be an estimated 3 million job vacancies in the skilled trades. That means 
we will need 3 million plumbers, welders, HVAC techs, bricklayers, electricians. And that's just in Lancaster County at our shop. I mean, <laughs> we're not even talking about the whole nation. <laughs> right, right. We need, we will be hiring 3 million more people in the next seven years. Count on it. Um, 3 million vacancies in the trades for, for, Literal jobs that are standing there waiting to be filled that pay an excellent wage and nobody to fill them is what the skilled trades gap is. I mean, you want to talk about 3 million, Brian. It, it literally feels like we have to sit through 3 million interviews to get somebody in here. And, and let me take that back. 3 million contacts, meaning like we've tried reaching them. They've applied. We can't get a hold of them. Yeah. We just, we struggle. Like people just don't even show up for the interviews anymore. It's, it's crazy. That's right. These are these are actual positions open, ready to be filled, salaries to be claimed, money sitting on the conference room table that nobody will walk in here and pick up. And not one time, but every other week, potentially for life. I mean, weekly, bi-weekly money waiting to be picked up and, and good jobs waiting to be learned and had. According to the National Association of Home Builders, 69% of their members reported delays in construction in projects due to a shortage of qualified workers. This also, according to USA Today, nearly half of all electricians in the United States are projected to retire in the next 10 years. Also stating uh, one, for, I'm sorry, for every four plumbers who retire, there is only one qualified plumber raised to take their place. I mean the, the shortage is going to get real, and it's getting um, it's getting insane to the point of you start wondering if these jobs are going to be able to be done. But then you look at other statistics like college versus trade school. Typically, you can earn a trade school degree and enter the workforce in two years. Now we're a company that doesn't require that. We're, we're happy to also a state that doesn't require that. That's true. Also a state doesn't require it. We'll, we'll do an apprenticeship. Um, but even if you're in a place where you have to have that two year degree, your typical college degree is, is four years and averages according to this USA today post college lasts four years and costs around $154,000 taking into account loans and interest. Now, obviously you can go, lot higher than $154,000 for a four-year degree. But either way, you're coming out of there, either you had parents that could write a check or you're coming out of there with debt. If you'd gone to that trade school, by calculation, five years into your career, your net earnings with an electrician's two-year degree, $79,000. With a four-year college degree, Negative $107,000 if you've Man. taken the college track since you'd likely be paying off loans for those five years. That's sobering. According to this article, and I quote, you could bank an additional $22,000 in savings in five years by entering the workforce two years earlier. And think about putting that $20,000 into an investment, you know, 7% gain or something like that. Now you're not talking about $20,000 anymore. You're talking about that times over. Yeah. So those are really good points, Brian. And it definitely brings to the forefront what I believe everybody in the industry already knows, like this is a good career and there's plenty more of it to be had. And you know, what can we do to get people interested to create an awareness and to really break the, uh, the stereotypical, what do you do 
after you graduate mentality, well, you know, I guess I'll go to college. That's just not, it's just not the thing. It's not the case anymore. I mean, there's, we're not bashing college. There's careers and degrees and things like that that absolutely I'm, I'm require I'm bashing that. college. And Brian's bashing Yeah. College. Forget oh. college. I'm bashing <laughs> high school, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Come see us. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm. If I'm passionate about something, all of our all of our shop techs are eighth graders. Yeah, well, here, well, here's my issue with them both: these college professors, these these uh, teachers, these counselors. No issue whatsoever. Not all of them, but large majority of them, and certainly where I grew up, all, all my you know, quote unquote, guidance counselors and teachers, it was all about the four year degree. If you talked about the trades, they had no problem bashing that or kind of making fun of it or talking about. If I said plumbing, it was all about, oh, the plumber's crack, ha, 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 or, or I'm too skinny to be a plumber. I've heard all these things in, in high school. They have no problem bashing the trades, so I got no problem bashing them <laughs> and make more than most of them. <laughs> That's so right. if, I have a, if I have a passion, it is the fact that I have the ability to take a kid like myself um, <clears throat> High school dropout, grew up in Detroit, didn't really have a, a sale, just kind of floating around aimlessly, no real idea what I wanted to do. And if I did have an idea, I would have no idea how to do it. Had We had no money to help us. Um, but got into the trades. Thankfully, an uncle was, was a plumber and moved into the trades and myself found a great career in the trades and you know, just kind of went on from there. And now I have the opportunity to hire 17, 18, 19 year old kids with nothing going on. I mean, we have three 19 year olds in the hallway right now. And well, we even say my, my brother-in-law was one of them. He's just, how was he? 19, 20. He was hanging out on his mom's couch, my mother-in-law's couch, playing video games, middle of the day. And, uh, she called my wife, his sister, and said, get him off my couch. Can Brian find anything for him to do? So we brought him here. We, we made him a part runner. He did that for, I don't know, six months, a year, something like that. And finally, we brought him in the office here and said, you need to pick a trade. What do you want to be? And he chose plumbing. Probably at that time, that's the one division that I managed. Brian forced him to pick plumbing. I think I, I, think I volunteered him. Um, he chose plumbing and we put him in a passenger seat and his first full year in a truck, he made just shy of $90,000. This is a kid who was working part-time security for a parking lot of a hotel, spending most of his time on his mom's couch. I, I called him and said, do you want an opportunity to do something? And he said, absolutely. And I said, well, let's go move in. He moved into my basement and got, and got going and now he makes a great living and has his own place with his fiance and he's off about his life and that that part and we i have multiple stories of that mm -hmm. i mean i was i was tagged in a post a couple christmases ago by i'll just say jason vasquez who said uh tagged me brian burton just wanted to thank you this is the first christmas i don't have to choose between presents for the kids and bills getting paid and he was already a plumber, so we didn't bring him in, but we certainly gave him the opportunity to make quite a bit better living than what he had been doing before. But for the, for the most part, I would say we're over half of our technicians here in plumbing, electrical, and HVAC 
we raise them ourselves. It's something we'd much rather do uh, than hire somebody with a bunch of bad habits. We have to untrain and then retrain. That's not to say we don't have great techs that we hired as, as full-on techs and taught them some soft skills, but by and large, the majority of our guys here were trained by us to be plumbers, electricians, HVAC techs, installers, CSRs, uh, office manager, Nate Minnick, marketing Ooh, manager, Nate yeah. Minnick. <laughs> that was a labor and love right there. Yeah, we've, we, we have the opportunity to take people who are a little lost career-wise and show them a path to get what they want out of life. And if you have the, if you have the, the fortitude and determination to go get it, it's there to be had. And that's the case, I believe, for most these days, for most plumbing, HVAC, electrical companies. I mean, I'm, I'm listening to like some of these podcasts like Tommy Mello and on these Facebook pages, that's the uh, Home Services Millionaire podcast. They're like garage door people and all these other trades that I don't, I never really even thought about, but they're, these guys are making great livings in skilled trades, doing things that you would never hear a kid say, when I grow up, I want to be a garage door technician, but these guys are making fantastic livings. I mean, phenomenal livings with no college debt and something you can do straight out of high school. And I'm all for it. Absolutely. Because let me tell you, you, you could have stuck me in any college. I, I don't think I'd have been any better off than I was in high school. It, was, it just wasn't for me. I was never stupid. Couldn't get good grades, though. Just this is not how I learn. I wasn't interested in these. Other than math and history, I, I despised every class I had. I couldn't stay awake. I just I just wanted to you know, make fun of somebody or throw something at the teacher. I, I got very little out of school. And the vast majority of the people I come in contact with in the trades, if somebody had just held them in school and made them go through college, it's not, it would not have ended well for them. They would have probably ended up here anyway. Only instead of getting here when you're 18, 19 years old and starting to make money now, you've, you've accumulated all this debt. And, and all this is for is for these universities to get paid. I mean, some of these professors are making a half million dollars. It's just ridiculous. Let's talk about getting yourself paid. Yeah, get in the trade. I don't care if you start as a shop tech, part runner, apprentice, making 12 bucks an hour. Do the math on $12 an hour added to your account versus, what did they say it was, $107,000 subtracted from it or whatever, or 154000 on average for a four-year degree. And then you get out and you're making, what, $15 an hour to start? Just Yeehaw. this is an insane cycle to me. Maybe I've you know, read too much micro stuff here in the recent past, but it's uh, something I'm really passionate about. Let's knock it off with the four-year degrees who, for people who are not college people like myself and get your butt in a trade and let's learn how to do something with your hands. Absolutely. That and more is what we want to talk about with our guests today. So without further ado, let's bring in Mark Dawson. Mark Dawson is joining us today on the podcast. He has been the chief operating officer of Mr. Sparky Electric, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, and One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning since July of 2019, and a director since 2020. Mark Dawson is based in Phoenix, Arizona, and Dawson has also been the co-owner of some other entities, including DTRT LLC from 2015 to the present, and 
This entity operates two hand and stone massage and facial spas located in Arizona. Dawson was the co-owner of DRTCA LLC from January 17 to October 20, which operated one hand and stone facial spa located in California. From January 14 to July of 17, Mr. Dawson served as president and chief CEO of Franz Brands LLC, which is doing business as Blue Frog Plumbing and Drain and its affiliates in Phoenix, Arizona. So with that, uh, we are privileged and excited to have Mark on the show. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. Glad to be here, man. Glad to talk to you, Mark. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we want to jump in like we do with most of our guests and learn a little bit about you. Uh, Brian and I were looking at uh, your your repertoire of jobs and your resume and those types of things. and uh, it's, it's extensive. It is extensive. <laughs> extensive resume. All over the place. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I I try not to hop around too much, but I've been uh, been fortunate. So uh, you know, I, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, and always have been. My father has been. He, my father is actually 85 years old and still owns businesses, and uh, wow. so I kind of followed in his in his footsteps back in the day, and um, worked in his businesses along the way. Learned uh, what a good work ethic is, and and how to apply myself, and actually purchased my first franchise in 1992 in, in the glass business and uh, bought an existing company and didn't know anything about glass, didn't know anything about how installing glass, but I, I had a dream and, and understood how to run a business. And so I, I was off. We did very well in that business. I uh, actually grew that business quite uh, large. and We were franchisee of the year in 2000. We were sales leader of the year for a small market for four years running from uh, 1997 to 2001. And, um, and then as most entrepreneurs do, uh, Nate and Brian, I, I got bored, right? So my team was a great team. Uh, they did all the work and, and, uh, and so I needed something, another challenge. So then I decided to get into the plumbing business. So that's what entrepreneurs do. So I, uh, opened up a plumbing company and, uh, in 2000 and did that. And actually grew that larger than the, uh, the glass company and I uh, was doing quite well and was down in, uh, in Florida on spring break one day and decided that I needed to add another company, which was going to be a restoration company. Uh, so let's just and, clarify, you uh, were on spring break in yeah. Florida? Yeah. So with my kids. Yeah. <laughs> so down there in, on the beach, right? Okay. And, uh, and so I called and said, "Hey, I want to buy this restoration company." And the the uh, and it was actually the person I was talking to was the president of my glass franchise. And he's like, "Well, why do you want to do that?" I'm like, "Well, I'm I'm bored, right? My plumbing company runs well, the glass company runs well, and I need another challenge." And and so he said, "Let me get back to you." And a couple of weeks later, he called back. He said, "Hey, I've I've got a challenge for you. Why don't you sell your businesses and come to of the corporate office and become president of the glass company?" Uh, for North America. And uh, at that time, I was 42. I started when I was 30. So uh, it was 2004. And so I, I sold my companies and uh, moved to Texas and uh, became a president of the glass company. and was in that row until the end of 2011. So uh, like I said, it's just been been uh, been lucky, right? So those those saying is the harder you work, the luckier you get. Um, and then, uh, so I did that for seven years until 2011, took a CEO role, uh, with a company called the Rebat out in Phoenix, Arizona, within that uh, role, uh, along with a private equity company for about almost four years. 
uh, and then then basically uh, sold out of that company, acquired part of the company, which was called Blue Frog Plumbing and Drain, had that a business for a couple of years, sold it to another uh, franchise or, and then I was going to retire. Right, I was gonna I was gonna play golf and and just live life, and I found out that at some point you can only play so much golf. Wow, I know and some people wife, who beg to differ the, on that. Yeah, <laughs> and the wife says, uh, you know, maybe you should go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think I was driving her up the wall. So anyway, I, I had an opportunity in in uh, July of 2019. Rob Weddle, who's our CEO for Authority Brands, the parent company for the three companies I oversee. And uh, he and I had uh, formed a relationship uh, a few years earlier, and he said, hey, I, I'd like to have some help and assistance in growing these three companies. And I was very familiar with those brands, being in the trade business uh, for uh, over 20 years. And uh, so I, I probably uh, said yes too fast, but I probably scared him. So I'm like, yes, I'm ready to go to work. And so <laughs> within a week, in a week, I was in Houston, Texas at the corporate office and, uh, you know, putting our plan in place for our three companies. And uh, over the last uh, two two years, a little over two years, we've done tremendous things with our three trade brands and excited about the future. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's kind of my story. Yeah, uh, Very, uh, very cool. And I'm curious, like, did you ever, were you ever turning wrenches and, and that type of stuff yourself? Or were you always more on the ownership side? So, you know, so I, I never was in the truck full time, but I knew enough to be dangerous. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I went out and worked. I was a helper as I would say with my guys and because they were the experts. So, and I never introduced myself as an owner on the job. I was always the helper and if they needed a hand. And so I've done those things. I laid under a house with a plumber for all day while he replumbed the house. Wasn't a lot I could do other than hold, hand him a, a tool or a, a, some pipe every once in a while. But it gave it gave it gave me better insight of what they do and what they face, and uh, and I want to be knowledgeable enough to at least understand the terminology when they're talking to me, right? So uh, so I, as my guys would say, I knew enough to be dangerous. Yeah, for sure. Um, out of, I'm also curious, Mark, out of all of those, um, businesses that you've been involved in, what has been the most challenging one that you've come across? You know, that, that it's, I think each business has its unique challenges. I never really had anything that just was that big of a challenge. It scared me. And, uh, it, it's, I, again, I was very lucky. I had great people around me. I think that's one of the things that you do. You, you have to hire good people. You have to help them understand what the culture is you're building within your business and how those things are going to impact their lives and their families' lives down the road. And if you can do that, I don't think you're really going to have that many challenges. We were able to do that in a way that that uh, the challenges that we faced were, were minimal. And, you know, everybody has customer service issues from time to time, right? Everybody has employment issues from time to time. But nothing that was uh so much that you wanted to go home and pull your hair out so i was i was fortunate yeah and was there anything particular that drove you into those industries to start i mean i think you said your first business was around age 30 so uh you know what what kind of got you on that trajectory to begin with so i like businesses that uh that other people don't like to do 
right? So when you think about a skill set, when it comes to glass or plumbing or electrical or HVAC, not everybody can do that, right? So there's a lot of um, men at home that try to do it themselves. Well, what we provide, you can't really do yourself, right? you got to have certain tools. you got to have certain experience. And I like that. And I used to call it, I used to say it was, it was recession-proof because no matter what happened to the economy, people were going to need these types of services, and I was going to be able to continue to grow the business. Today, we call that essential businesses uh, after the COVID uh, in the last 15 months. Right. And aside from the companies who intentionally closed their doors out of fear or you know laid off a bunch of workers being afraid, it wasn't recession-proof. It was like recession uh, bonus to be in, in the home services trades. Everybody experienced significant so, growth as a, as a result of this pandemic. It, it, you know, it, it's interesting to watch that because I, I try to keep my ear to the ground and look at our competitors. And so it's interesting to see how some companies grew, thrived within this situation, adapted, and overcame the obstacles and continued to grow their business, while some other companies in the same industry went the opposite direction, right? And I really think that's because of leadership, uh, number one. Uh, number two, I believe that a lot of companies that grew have planned for those types of situations to, to come up. And so, you, you know, people that think that times are always going to be good and never put back uh, things for a rainy day are people that usually don't survive these types of situations. The people that plan for these, even though they may only come once every three years or once every seven years, but when they plan for them, they put money back, they've staffed properly, they've trained properly, they have contingency plans in place, those companies will, will thrive and, um, and basically absorb the companies that have left the industry. I remember you saying that, at, I don't know if it was on a town hall or one of the uh, corporate gatherings um, months before the whole COVID happened. Remember you specifically saying to the owners to to be um, putting money away and be be ready for hard times to come. Hopefully they don't come, but be ready. And then, sure, fire. A couple months later, everything went to uh, chaos. Yep, I uh, I remember that, and, and I learned those lessons through the years of owning businesses and working with other owners and them sharing their stories with me and, and, uh, and taking those stories to heart. And so that's, um, it, 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 it'll happen again and we will be prepared again and we will thrive and we will grow again. Uh, and so I hope we don't have to go through something that we, like we went through in the last 15, 16 months, but there will be something else out there. Yeah. Amen to that. Uh, so I think, Mark, you've been in your role for a little over two years at this point. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, July of 2019. So yeah, right at 2000, right at two years. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about um, the three brands that you oversee as the COO and kind of uh, what those brands are doing in the marketplace and, and how they're kind of measuring up across the nation. So I oversee uh, One Hour Heating and Air, which is our largest of the three brands, uh, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, and then uh, Mr. Sparky Electric. And when you collectively look at our three brands, uh, two of those brands, which is One Hour and Ben Franklin, 
uh, are the number one rated brand uh, in the country by third party when it comes to uh, revenue, strength of brand, and brand recognition. And so, uh, and um, Sparky, excuse me, I think I, I apologize. Sparky's number one, one hour's number one, Ben is number three. And so Ben's Those getting uh, in, in the world. And, we got to fix that. Yeah. They're, they're growing, right? So they're growing. And so we have a great opportunity with these three brands. I think we're positioned uh, better than any other national company or even regional companies uh, in North America. We have a process that we use uh, in training our technicians and how they go out and uh, interact with the customer that I think is unique that gives us uh, a leg up on the competition. And I also believe that that process helps our technicians uh, earn a living that is higher than usual within the trades industry. And so usually when you find people that come to one of our three brands, they don't leave. Right? because they understand what we do and, and how we do it and uh, and the culture that we're trying to build uh, with the three companies and the ownership along with the franchisor. So I see great things for our three brands. Uh, collectively in 2020, we grew over 2019, even in the difficult circumstances. And in 2021, we're growing uh, double digits across all three brands. And if we could just get more people in the trucks, we'd be growing even more, right? So that's one of the challenges a lot of companies face today is, uh, is staffing levels. And so our franchisees are no different than that. We're always looking for good people uh, and good team members to come in and, and uh, work with us and our brands. Here, here. Yeah, so I want to talk about that for a little bit, Mark, because that's something that um, uh, we, we hear across the board for sure, whether they're in one of the brands that you oversee or just anywhere else, like people can't find people. And certainly something we deal with here in, at our shop in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Tri-Brand. So when, you, when you're sitting in your seat and you're, you're uh, talking about recruiting and hiring and those types of things, you know, what is it about the three brands that you oversee that you would encourage somebody to check those out as opposed to, you know, Frank's Plumbing Truck or, you know, uh, the, the Miller Electric Company or something like that, you know, a smaller shop or even a, a regional larger shop, those types of things. What, what makes the brand attractive to an employee? Yeah, so for me, when I look at recruiting, I'm looking at basically two areas. One, I'm looking, first let's talk about the person that's already in the trade system. They're working for somebody else. Uh, and how do we get those key people, right? The ones that are uh, heroes. How do we get those people on our team? And when I look at talking to those, I'm going to be talking to them about, uh, one, the, the name brand recognition. Two, I'm going to be talking to them about opportunities to grow within the company. What that looks like. A lot of people that are already in the trade business, they have what I call a job. And that's all they have is a job because there's no path for them to grow within the company. And so a lot of times when you have a job, you just kind of, do the same thing over and over. At some point you get tired of that routine and you look and now it becomes about money and then you go somewhere else and now you're just moving because a 50 cents here, a dollar there. You really never build a career and never find a home. What I'm looking for when I'm talking to someone in the trades business, I'm looking for them to, to find a home. I want them to come and work with our brands and you know understand our culture that, hey, there's a path for you to grow from a technician to a field supervisor even to a franchise owner, 
down the down the road. We have four people that I know of just off the top of my head that started off as a technician to now own their own franchise around the country. That's a path to success. That's that's a path that will change your life and change your family's life. Not only that, if you're in the trades business, you know, we're going to be able to be, provide you uh, different benefits and different levels than a local company may because of the resources we have. When you collectively look at our three brands and the buying power we have and the benefits we can bring to the table at a local level through our franchising system, uh, that makes a difference. So those are the things I would look up, talk about with an existing person in the trades, right? So what's your path look like? Because nobody wants a dead end job, right? Everybody wants the opportunity, and so let us show you what we can, how we can help you get to where you want to be in life, and how you can reach your goals. The second person I want to talk to too is, okay, have you ever thought about being in the trade business? What are you doing now? Maybe you're, maybe you're working in a restaurant somewhere. You know, maybe you're doing, you know, maybe you're in landscape or whatever. But think about being in the trade business with one of our three brains. And what that means to you, you should, if if you're not in the trade and you're looking to get in the trade, you should just go Google what an average plumber makes per year, what an average HVAC person makes per year, what a electrical person makes per year. It's six figures if you're good at what you do. Yeah, no. Why wouldn't you want to look at that opportunity? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Why wouldn't you want to look? Why wouldn't you want to look at that opportunity, right? Are you so reading? Are you reading our recruiting can... materials over here, Mark? Because uh, that's pretty much the same thing <laughs> we talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like look, it, there's we have a plan and a path that we can take someone and train them up to a level where they can get there, right? So if you're if you know how to take something apart and put it back together, then we need to talk because you're mechanically inclined, and we can work with that. We can train you how to to deliver our system and the technical parts of that. There's schools out there. There's in-house training classes out there. And so that's meaningful. There's people out there right now that are working 60, 70 hours a week and making $40,000 a year. That, that, that is no path, right? That's, you you got to have balance in your life. So you should consider the trade business. Because I, you know, that's one reason I've been in is because I, I know what it does. I know how it impacts my life. I know how it impacts the customers' lives and the people that work for me, their lives. And it's it's a positive, it's a positive process. Absolutely. And I want to jump into some of those stories, if you don't mind. You said you know of at least four um, technicians who came from the field and grew up into uh, owning their own franchise. So tell us about like some of those details. You know. Are there other stories out there of maybe not even obtaining ownership, but just kind of moving through the ranks? What does that look like? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's the one way you build a company. That's the one way you build culture is, is you take people on your team and you show them a path of how they can move up in the organization. And so one of the things we always talk about with our franchise owners is do you have an organizational chart that shows how your company is laid out? And a path for someone to start as a technician and move through that organizational chart and get to different levels. And so you should be talking to your team members about opportunities, what, what's important to them, right? Some people, 
you know what? They want to go in. They want to do their te- they want to do their work, and from a technician standpoint, and that's okay. They don't want to go any further. That's all right. We we have that path, right? But then there are some people that say, look, you know what? I've been I've been doing this for ten years. I don't want to be in the truck for another twenty years. How do I get out of the truck? So let's show them how that. Hey, you go in, you execute as a technician, and from there you can go to field supervisor. You can go to uh, a dispatcher in the office if you want to. You can go to a general manager or operations manager, and, and yes, you can go to ownership. And so a lot of our owners are larger owners, and so uh, and some of those owners are older, and they're actually getting to the point where they're selling their companies to those key people that work for them. So there's a lot of opportunity out there uh, for that, and but you just you've got to start right. You got to start somewhere. You got to make the phone call. Call your local one hour, your local Ben Franklin or Mr. Sparky, and say, "Hey, I want to I want to come to work. I want to change my life." Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that we talk about here a lot is the, the physical toll of you know the trades as a whole. Uh, you know, turning the wrenches and lifting the water heaters and climbing up in the attics and all those types of things. I mean, it takes a physical a cost on a body and the ability to do that long-term um, is, is generally going to be very difficult for most people. That's true. That's that, you know, and it does take a toll. And I think one of the things that could be an advantage, right. With our three companies is that uh, we try to make sure that one, we're on the cutting edge of anything that's available to make your job a little bit easier. So if there's special tools or equipment that you need that takes the rare, rare, the uh, wear and tear off the back, right, or things, you know, repetitive um, uh, movements that you can eliminate, if we can do that, then uh, we're going to make sure those tools are available to those technicians because we understand it's hard. And when you're talking about drain cleaning and some of those drain cleaning machines, they're heavy. And there's ways to get those things on and off a truck without having to lug them and put a lot of manpower in there, right? There's lifts and things that you can use to, to make that process a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. Now, Mark, part of the future of the trades um, is obviously the direction of where the entire industry is going, but also in, in line with what you were just talking about there, what is the mindset that you would encourage technicians, plumbers, and electricians who are in their truck right now? What, what, habits what disciplines what behaviors do they have to be implementing to get to your level and you know i'm not expecting them to arrive a rise to uh you know chief operating officer of three national brands but you know what is what would you encourage them to do you've been the owner of lots of different businesses you've seen many different technicians in all walks of life and probably even different areas of the country like what was it that you looked for in your employees to say these are next level people this is what i want to be focusing on and then, you know, what is that for those people that they should be driving towards? So the so what I looked at, I talked to people, and what I would encourage people that are listening is like, first of all, you've got to be the best you can be every day, no matter what's going on in your life. So when you wake up in the morning, today's going to be a great day. Even though it may be raining, right? Or there may be snow on the ground. Or maybe you've had an argument at home. It doesn't matter. Today's going to be a great day. Your customer is expecting an experience unlike no other. You need to wow your customer every day. You need to wow your first customer. 
you need to wow the last customer just like it's the first customer of the day. We used to carry extra shirts in our um, in our trucks, right? Because we had white shirts. And if a shirt got dirty on the first job, then they changed shirts for the second job because we wanted that second customer to see the technician the same way the first customer did. It's all about being pride, having pride in what you do and how you operate, and how you engage with that customer. Because as a technician, whether you know it or not, you actually own a business. Because you're building a business within your owner's business. You're building that book of business. And if you can realize that you're doing that, that you're just not working for somebody. No, you're building your own book of business within the business. Yeah, we agree You can that. do those things. And we have so many You'll customers. We have so many customers who call in and specifically ask, you know, I want I want Charlie to come out to my house, or I want James to come out to my house. And you know, listen, if if uh, if Dustin isn't available, then reschedule me. We have those types of clients, and that happens time and time again. Yep. And so those repeat customers, right? And that's that's how you start building it. And uh, but you just you have to have you just have to have that positive attitude every day. And if you can do that. Your customers will know it's genuine, and they're going to do. They're going to want to do business with you, right? People will do business with people they trust. One hundred percent. Now, for those of our technicians listening that are thinking, like, oh man, you know, I, I can't be doing this forever. Like, I'd really like to start looking at leading people. You know, becoming a leader, becoming a supervisor, those types of things. What are the behaviors or um, you know, characteristics that you would encourage them to focus on to kind of start looking at what the next level of their career might be? So, first of all, from a technician standpoint, what I would say is uh, you need to start self-educating yourself. So you're riding around in the truck all day. What do you do? Are you listening to the radio? You listen to talk radio? So that's not helping you grow and get to the next level. Start listening to motivational tapes in the truck, right? Read after work or on the weekend. Educate yourself to become an expert in your field, how to understand your customer, what the sales process looks like. So I'm a big Zig Ziglar fan, and uh, and he talks about, you know, uh, self-education all the time. And uh, Automobile University is what he, what, what, what he calls it, right? So always doing something to educate yourself while you're in, in the automobile driving. That's where I would start first because that's going to help you because at different levels, you have to have different skill sets, right? You got to be able to talk to customers. You got to be talked to employees. You got to be able to control your emotions, all those things you got to be able to do uh, along the way while you build rapport, you build trust, uh, and you build a culture of what you're trying to build from a, from a company standpoint. Yeah. Here we call it, uh, M- getting your degree from MVU actually released a podcast under that name, not too long ago, <laughs> which is my vehicle university. Cool. And yep. this, and this it's podcast good. is, is meant to be exactly that for technicians. This is something that, that we made for techs to, to be fed during what we call windshield time when you're, you're, especially if you're on new comp, uh, like our guys are here, you're not getting paid technically to drive from job to do- job. So you might as well get better. So I mean, we had Tom Hopkins right. on, on uh, an episode recently and we try to have people on who um, can enrich the technicians, make them better 
techs, make them better communicators, uh, make them better everything. I mean, we've, we have um, some guests coming up who have nothing to do with the trades, but are just going to make better human beings out of the people listening. And that's what we promote here for our, for our techs. And then for everybody listening out there is just to not waste that drive from one house to another one. Waste no day. Yeah, no, that's, that's it. They just, I mean, you're investing in yourself and what better person to invest in than yourself. I, I bet on myself every day. I like that. Let's go. Um, Hey, good stuff, Mark. And, and I want to kind of transition here into your perspective sitting at um, a, a very different seat than most of our listeners are right now and probably ever will be. So you have the opportunity to kind of look at things from a national level and see really the trends across the nation. I'm sure you're constantly getting feedback from franchisees in all different states and regions of the country that are saying this, that, and whatever. So what are some things that you're seeing? What are some trends that you're noticing right now that are happening within the industries of plumbing, HVAC, and electrical? Yeah, so from a trend standpoint, and we, you know, we look, we look out to, over the next five years and our demand in all three of these businesses are going to continue to go up. So there's more housing being built which means more needs when it comes to plumbing, electrical, and HVAC. Um, and, but on the flip side is, is that the skilled trade workers are not keeping pace with the demand. So there's going to be a, a pressure point on our industry here coming soon if we're not already there, right? So we've had a lot of companies that's gone out of business over the last year due to COVID. So there's a lot of pent-up demand from the customers right now. And so we're seeing record calls coming into our uh, locations across the country. We're seeing record book appointments. We're seeing record sales. And still, we can't meet demand. So we're going so to have to do something, really, I believe, on a local and a national level when it comes to the trades business of how to get someone into the business uh, easier. Uh, and quicker without a lot of red tape from the government. And uh, and I'm a big proponent of going back to looking at a local level to what we used to call shop classes uh, back in school, where we take people that may not really want to go to college, right? Maybe don't want to be part of the technical uh, world. They want they like to work with their hands. And so I think we need to go back and trade, start training those things in the school. That'll help us meet demand down the marketplace. So if you're in the trade business already, thinking about getting in the trade business, it's going to be a nice ride because the pay is going to be well. The rewards for your efforts uh, and expertise is going to be uh, nice. And those companies that have positioned themselves well will, will do will do nicely in the next uh, two to four years. Is that something that uh, the, the corporate office that you work with there, is that something that you're trying to formalize into a program, you know, where you're actually developing schools or some type of um, uh, programs, apprentice programs that are formalized that people can actually enter into and then grow into the trades that way? Or, you know, what, what's your approach on that? So we are. So we, we've been talking about this for probably the last four months. Uh, where, you know, how do we partner with certain third-party schools to get our franchisees, technicians, 
uh, our trainees into a class that gets them up and running quick and efficient, but also safely to protect the customer. And so we're working on those programs and along with a few other programs that we're talking around with the military uh, and some of those options as well. So we'll have that. We're having our convention coming up in October. So we're going to be talking about that more at the convention at the convention level. Yeah, that would be super exciting. And that's something that, you know, we we've tried to do. And I know other locations have tried to do in creating uh, their own type of apprentice programs. And of course, if uh, it's a struggle to even find people to enter into that right now, you know, you, you need to find mechanically inclined people who are also communicative and can stand in front of a client and, and talk to them and you have the dependability issues and all those types of things. And so, uh, I mean, there's, there's this like this desire to have lots of people come into our industry. And we certainly have all of that, as you mentioned, pent up demand of the clients, but it's also not something that you can just teach overnight either. You can't, learn how to install a water heater within a a week and understand all the different rules and regulations that go with it. It takes time. And unfortunately we're kind of pressed up against it. Yeah, it is. It's most definitely it's a process. And then of course at every state level, there's different requirements. And so the one thing that we'd like to focus on is, okay, let's, let's take plumbing for instance. Well, depending on what your state requirements are, we've got jobs, what I call an, an A priority, a B or a C. And so an A is something that's high level. I, I need to have someone who's an expert to go out there. A C priority would be something like you're going to change out a faucet, right? Simple things. And so when we take someone, we're bringing them in, we're going to take someone and, and say, okay, these are the C jobs uh, that this person can do in, in, uh, in short order. We can train them up on that and then we'll get them and go to step two which will be the B-level job. And then uh, uh, step three would be the A-level. And that may take a year. It may take two years to get through that process. But there are some things that you can train someone to do to get out there on a truck legally, right, based on state requirements, and, and do and, and do it in, a, in, a, in the right way and protect the customer and produce revenue for the company and for that uh, technician. Yeah. I like that. And that's, uh, that's definitely something that we try to employ here as well, uh, in, you know, kind of easing some of our newer employees into the field with specific types of jobs that are well within their reach. Yep. Another, so, another thing. I mean, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Another thing that, uh, we're experiencing here at our location, and I think is the case across the country is, uh, a, a supply and demand concern with materials. Where do you see that? What are some trends and, and uh, kind of challenges that you're seeing there across the nation? And, and what do you think the solution is for that? Uh, I was joking with somebody uh, last week about just material. We're talking about just like plywood and things. I was like, I, I told him, I said, I think, I think I could actually take my house and tear it apart piece by piece and sell each piece of the house and double my money based on what I can sell my house for. <laughs> double. So, <laughs> Ten yeah. times. Yeah. It's a little crazy. So there is there is a little bit of a, of a crunch right now when it comes to equipment and parts. We think that's going to be short term and uh, probably end of this year, first quarter next year, we'll see some of that pressure uh, re- relief. And we won't be experiencing that. Prices will come back down. 
So this, we, we feel like this is a temporary process. It's not going to be long term, but even right now, it's still concerning, right? So you, you're looking at that. Your customers are looking at costs going up across the board on everything they touch, whether it's food or HVAC uh, systems or gas. So they expect it. So if I'm a, if I'm a technician, I wouldn't be concerned because the customer knows it's coming. So that kind of helps in the sales process. Uh, as far as manufacturing goes, you know, there's some shortages around the country, but again, we don't think that's going to be long term. We have a, a buying group that we work with really, really closely and we talk to them on a regular basis and, uh, we think it's going to be a short term process. So time will tell, but, uh, the long term outlook is we'll get back to normal in 2020, 2022. Yeah, here's hoping for that. Uh, it's certainly putting the pressure on our buying wing as well, you know, with uh, our purchasing manager and where he's trying to source parts and things like that. And we've already come across multiple situations where, you know, we just simply can't get things. And, of course, that's that's not a good place to be as a standing in front of a client who's saying, you know, I want this. And you're saying, I'd love to give it to you, but uh, I can't find it right now. Yeah, and if that happens, you should give us a call because I had a situation with a Mr. Sparky that was in there with generators recently, and we were able to find him some generators pretty quickly. So, love that. We're always there to help. Um, another thing I wanted to address with you, Mark, is innovation. So, the industry itself, um, some might look at and say it's been slow to kind of turn over with technology and those types of things. Um, I know that's coming in with a lot more smart devices. Even uh, water conditioning is having Bluetooth connection now, and obviously thermostats have been kind of doing that game for a while. Uh, There's a lot of smart devices and electricity as well. Where do you see innovation taking the trades in the next five to 10 years, and what type of exciting and new things do you see coming, maybe even within your brand specifically, but to the industry as a whole that are going to kind of revolutionize not only our business as technicians, but also for the homeowner? So I think uh, the smart home is the number one key for us. And we've been working on that and really rolled out a new plan in um, first quarter 2020. Now, of course, we ended up having to roll that out via webinar, which uh, did not roll out as well as we'd love to afford to roll out. But we're going to be relaunching that as well since we're getting back together now face-to-face. But the people that own the home, when it comes to smart home devices, whether it be through an HVAC monitoring system or through a product called Team, through Mr. Sparky, or you know, uh, an automatic shutoff valve on the plumbing side, the people that own those uh, parts and equipment from the retail side are going to own the home. Now, the one thing right now is it's kind of disjointed because you may have one product from a smart home standpoint, when it comes to HVAC, you may have a different product from a different company that, met the, that monitors electrical. You may have a different product that manages and monitors uh, the plumbing side. The goal is to get all those tied into one, right? And so we're actually working on a project for like that right now. We're going to be actually we're waiting for some product to get sent to us. We're going to be testing that product over here in the next 60 days, and then we'll test it on a bigger scale. And, uh, and that's going to be key for us because it's going to allow us to monitor all three of those things I just talked about within one, uh, central location. 
right now we can't nobody can do that that i'm aware of and so we can do that that's going to really set us apart in the in the industry for our free trade company and so we're excited about that but and and that's where the the focus is going to be over the next five years it's just going to continue to evolve and the more information we get the better information we can give the homeowner and, and the better decisions they can make on what they need to do with their particular units um and we're just going to keep keep working on that that area and keep driving it yeah absolutely that's something that we've noticed here as well with the fragmentation of the marketplace when it comes to smart devices not only is there multiple technologies and brands uh, that make those technologies uh, but you know there, there's different ways that people implement them as well and you know some people are are more like DIY people who, hey, you know, I'll figure it all out myself. And then the next person is like, this would be really cool, but I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and so there's there's uh, even fragmentation within the customer base as well. But uh, I hear you on yep. that. And I think the smart home is definitely, I mean, it's been something that we've been talking about for a decade, uh, but it, it's something that is continually evolving and becoming more commonplace. And I agree with you that if there was a product or a solution that was kind of turnkey, and covered all the major areas of the home that all linked up together, you know, that, that could be game changing. Yep. We're excited about it. And it's really, it's a real, it's, it's probably about an inch by three inches. Uh, it's, it's, I'm excited to see how, how it all works and comes together here over the next, uh, 30 to 60 days. Excellent. Uh, Mark. So another thing that we wanted to look at here, uh, from your seat is kind of, um, just the, the general future of the brands themselves. So one hour, Benjamin Franklin and Mr. Sparky, like where do you see those three brands going in the future? So, I mean, we're just going to continue to grow, right? So we're going to continue to add new franchisees across the country. Uh, if you think about people that join our companies, right? While they would join them. And I always use the example of, of travel. And so, People that are already in the business under their own brand name are going to join our company because they're going to see the benefits of being something, being part of something bigger and the benefits of buying power, uh, the benefits of technology and things like that. Also, you got to think about how your customer thinks as well. And so when you talk about travel, if I'm going to travel from Phoenix to Dallas, well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to come up with a map of how I'm going to go, right? And then along the way, because that's a long drive, I'm going to have to make stops. So if you think about how you travel today, think about when you're traveling, where you stop. 90% of the people stop at a name brand company that they know, right? A Chick-fil-A, right? A Panda Express, a McDonald's, whatever the case may be. Why do they stop at those companies? Because they stop because they know the experience they're going to get. They know the menu uh, and they trust that brand. Those are franchises, right? Uh, when you stop at a hotel and you stay overnight, I almost stay somewhere like a Holiday Inn or a Best Western or whatever. Guess what? Franchise. You can trust the brand. And so our brands are going to continue to grow because people, customers are going to uh, interact with us because they trust the brand because they know whether it's Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Phoenix, Arizona, or Dallas, Texas, they're going to get the same quality experience, the same fair pricing, and they know the brand name. And so for those reasons, our brand or brands are going to continue to grow and get bigger and bigger 
and the bigger we get, the more people that want to just they're they're going to want to join us, right? So uh, I see us I see us doubling in size within the next three years. Yeah, that's awesome and super exciting. Um, and I that's something that we also preach here as far as like the consistency and the trust that is created by having the same experience at a at a brand. Uh, you know, whether it's McDonald's or whether it's uh, a hotel chain or whatever, you know, if you have that experience in one state or another state or another state or even from town to town to town, that creates that consistent approach to the client and that creates trust. And like you said, people want to do business with those whom they trust. Yep. Good stuff there, Mark. Hey, we're going to bring it in for a landing here. I want to ask you one more question specific to compensation. So, uh, as you mentioned, you know, there's a, a pent up demand from the customer side, but there's also a work shortage, uh, a labor shortage from the actual technician side. So where do you see that taking income potential? You mentioned a little bit about it earlier, you know, just in the, what the averages of those people who make right now, um, you know, and we're seeing, we're seeing, uh, you know, $20, $30, even $40 an hour uh, as, as being marketed right now, even in our area, and I'm sure in some other locations of the country, those numbers are probably even higher. Uh, but where do you see like total compensation going for uh, people in our industry over the next five years? So I think compensation is going to increase uh, over the next five years. However, if I'm, if I'm in the trades business and I'm an electrician or a plumber or a HVAC technician, <coughs> excuse me, I have to under, I have to look what are my goals for myself personally, right? And so, yes, I want to make a fair wage. Yes, I want to provide for my family. But for me, it's more than just about the money. If you're always just chasing money, here's the thing: you're never going to get enough. You're, you'll never get. If you make a hundred thousand dollars, you're going to want to you're going to figure out a way to spend one hundred twenty. And you're gonna you're gonna need 120. You get 120. <laughs> you know what? You're gonna figure out a way to spend 150. You're gonna need 150. Right. What I look at is 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 it a fit for me long term? Is it a is it a reputable company? Do they have the right culture? Do they provide benefits? Do they tr- treat their their employees the right way with respect? Is there a path for me to grow? and grow old with this company and retire. Those are things I'm, I would look at if I'm uh, looking long-term. Yeah, costs are going to continue to go up. Salaries will follow that in line. But at the end of the day, it's got to be more than just money. If it's just money, you're never going to be happy. You'll never be satisfied in the job, no matter what job you're doing. Good advice there. All right, Mark. Well, we can't let you go without having a little bit of fun. We like to ask some fun questions at the end of each podcast for our guests. So uh, I know you're an avid golfer, and I thought we'd start off there if it's okay. What is your favorite golf course? Uh, Pebble Beach. Nice. Nice. That's a good one. In uh, California, correct? Yes. That's awesome. Uh, You played it recently? A couple years ago I played it. So it's... uh... It is beautiful uh, in in person, more than much better than on TV. Wow, that's great! All right, um, 
Another thing that we like to commonly ask our guests is what are you listening to or reading right now? Uh, reading. Traction. Nice. For the Gino, third Wickman. Time. Gino Wickman, EOS. Yeah. <laughs> For the third time, yes. Yeah, that's great. Uh, that's actually what we use here at our location. It is a great book. And highly recommend to the owners and managers listening, the EOS. Um, yeah. If, yeah, if you're if you're having yeah, so if you're having trouble focusing on what's important uh, for the business to focus, you know, to grow and build, that'll help you get focused pretty quickly. Yeah, that came up in our success squad pretty heavily last month. All right, uh, number three for you. What is your favorite holiday song? Oh, Santa Claus is coming to town. All right, an oldie but goodie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, uh, you've been in a lot of different positions in a lot of different companies. What was your worst job ever? Worst job ever. And I don't know if this is really a job, but uh, so the worst thing I ever did was when I had my plumbing company, we decided that we were going to get into portable restrooms. And so we bought 120 portable restrooms, had them rented out. And so then I figured out, well, you know what? I, I needed a pump truck. So uh, we got a pump truck. And then we decided we were going to pump grease traps out. And the Oof. worst thing I've ever done is pump a grease trap out. Yeah, that is the worst <laughs> smell in the world. I've been involved it, in cabling it, or jetting several of them in, in my career before I got out of a truck. And it was it is the worst smell I've ever smelled. Yeah. Terrible. Denny's or McDonald's. It's just, I can smell it right now. Yeah. Just makes you just want to just kind of yeah. choke you up. Appreciate you bringing that back up for me. Thank you. <laughs> it, it would be a plumber, a plumbing job that would be the worst job. So thanks for that. Yeah. yeah. Shot at the plumbers there. <laughs> All right. Last one for you, Mark. Uh, I know you're a busy guy. In fact, we appreciate you taking the time today uh, to even hang out with us. But one thing that we really focus on is helping people become efficient in their day and making the most of each day. That's our podcast, Waste No Day. So how do you prioritize your day? So I uh, actually prioritize my day the day before. So at the end of every day, I look at what's up for the next day and I, I'll lift down what I have to get accomplished. And so when I come in uh, in the morning, I have a list of things to get done in priority order. And I, and I start knocking those off with a checklist. And I'm, again, I'm old school. I, I like checklists. And so if I can put a pen to an item, that makes me happy. Oh, yeah. I know that feeling. Feels good to cross it off. All right, Mark. Well, hey, we so appreciate your time today. It was good talking to you and exciting to hear about the future of the trades, the industry, the technician standpoint, and even some of the challenges that we're dealing with right now. Uh, really excited to see what the next five years looks like for our industry and uh, for the three brands specifically where they'll be going. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time today. And let us tell you, we're pumped about the First Authority Brands Conference in Orlando. In we're excited. So it, it, it is going to be a great time. I promise. Awesome. Good talking to you today, Mark. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a great day. You too. You too. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. It was a pleasure talking with Mark Dawson, COO of Ben Franklin One Hour and Mr. Sparky Electric. It was good to hear about the different um, 
uh, trends and even uh, challenges that are common in our industry and exciting to think about what the future will hold there. For those of you who are already in the trades right now, we appreciate you. Thanks for what you're doing. Keep on doing a fantastic job. And remember to, you know, uh, give back, to look to the next generation. And for those of you who are considering where you want to do with your career path, uh, join us, you know, join the trades, come to the dark side. And uh, I think you'll find that there's far more uh, success and opportunity here than in many other career paths, uh, even those that have, you know, degrees and things that go with them. And that's not a shot at college as much as it is just uh, an awareness that there is so much opportunity to have in the trades market. And so we encourage you to join in. For those of you who are already with us and listen every episode, we appreciate it so much. Send us a shout out in the comments. Give us a rating. We'd love to hear from you and hear what you think about it. And also give us some ideas for what else you would like to hear in the future. We challenge you to continue getting better with yourself every single day. And we want to encourage you to wake up every morning and choose to waste no day.